We live in a time where it's easy to be overwhelmed by negativity. But if you know where to look, humanity still has lots of bright spots. Just for instance, did you know that there's this growing network of people battling food insecurity right in their own neighborhoods? Regular folks like you and me are embracing something called Little Free Pantries. And I talked with the founder of the Little Free Pantry Project about how these grocery boxes are making change happen in the lives of others. I'm Josh Morgan, and this is The Plural of You, the podcast about people helping people. I'm a data analyst and sociologist living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I produce this podcast for people who aren't ready to give up on humanity yet. There are lots of problems in the world, but I'm building an archive of solutions. So I talk with leaders who have dedicated themselves to improving the lives of others, and I'm collecting their advice in case you'd like to make a difference too. Jessica McClard is one of these leaders. She lives in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and founded the Little Free Pantry Project as a side project in May of 2016. The model behind Little Free Pantries is similar to the one behind Little Free Libraries, which you may have heard of before. The difference between Little Free Libraries and Little Free Pantries is that Instead of small structures in public places where people can take books or leave books for others, the pantries serve as many storage points for things like canned food and personal care items. The idea is based on the honor system, and the pantries are meant to encourage neighbors to test concepts like community and charity and even justice and the sharing economy. I asked Jessica about the origin of the Little Free Pantry Project. Yeah, I think there are kind of a number of things on my mind. I'm a reader and a runner, and there are lots of little free libraries popping up in my immediate neighborhood. I could run to maybe four easily, and I'd browse the shelves. I was also reading a book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point, and it became clear to me that that concept tipped. Um, I think I started to think about why that was, and Typically, what I'm uh, my book stack includes some kind of book related to social justice. I think I at that time had been reading pretty heavily on poverty uh, justice books like Two Dollars a Day and Nickel and Dime, and so I think all of that was just working its way kind of through my brain, probably on my run, since that's what where I did my thinking. And once I had the idea, I just was really determined to um, to try and see if if it might work. I mean, it makes total sense that you're a reader and, and, and a runner. So like you were going through the neighborhood and saw that. That's really neat. It's funny how ideas kind of percolate that way. I would really spend some time thinking about the Little Free Library as a concept, you know, once it became clear that it had tipped. So just to clarify, a tipping point is a concept in sociology where a large group suddenly changes how it behaves and tips or adopts something new. Sociologists as far back as the 1950s have found that a tipping point will often start with a subgroup of influencers in a population who hold fast to their beliefs and then persuade others to join them. Even though the libraries were addressing the, the larger issue of literacy, at least in my neighborhood, it didn't really seem to be about access because I have lots of books at my home and I assume my neighbors do too. And That meant if it wasn't about the books, that anything could go inside of it. And I think that what speaks to people about these little free spaces is that it's a way to reconnect with your neighbors and to uh, encourage a sense of community. And uh, that meant that it could really be used in any way. 
Jessica devoted a lot of brain power to planning the first little free pantry. Her husband built a dark wooden box with shelves inside and a plexiglass door, even before they found a post to mount it on. She struggled a bit with where to place it, but she and her husband and their friends were finally able to install it at Good Shepherd Lutheran, her home church in Fayetteville. It didn't take long for the group to realize that demand for even a small pantry in their corner of the city was huge. As of the fall of 2017, about a year and a half after it opened, Jessica and the other stewards of the first Little Free Pantry were restocking its shelves roughly four or five times per day. Did you have any vision for what would happen when you set up the the first one in front of or you and your, your group in front of the church? To be honest, I really hoped that it would catch on. I set up the social media presence well in advance of the launch um, because I always intended to push it out. So I hoped that it would be duplicated, and I can't say that I was surprised when it was. The The speed did surprise me. In the first few months after the first Little Free Pantry opened in Fayetteville, word started to spread. Pantries began popping up around Arkansas and then in other states. People started contacting Jessica with questions, and new stewards sent her photos and stories from pantries in other places. The project really took on a life of its own, just as Jessica hoped it would. And it coincided with the movement to ease food insecurity in similar ways around the world. Little Free Pantry now even has sister projects. There's a project called Blessing Boxes in Oklahoma. There's help shelves in Tallahassee, people's pantries in Cincinnati, and a community fridge in one London neighborhood, just to name a few. It's tough to quantify exactly how many of these locations there are at the moment, but Jessica estimates the total is somewhere between 500 and 1,000, with more opening almost every day. She's working on a map to get a more accurate count, and she'll be launching that soon. Jessica has a background in lots of areas, including nursing and finance. But the impression I got from talking with her is that this project is by far one of the most gratifying things she's ever been involved with. It wasn't until um, this work that I felt like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. And this project and this work has absolutely been the greatest gift of my life overwhelmingly positive, even the, the trials. I think we're engaging some really important questions through that space, and, and some of those questions bring up hard things. And I think that it's all the work, and it's absolutely uh, just, just a gift. You said there are trials. What type of trials do you mean? Well, um, you know, I'm pretty impervious to the comments section, but, you know, it seems like lots of folks will immediately let their minds go to a place where someone is contaminating the food or someone is abusing the space and someone doesn't really need it. And the risks involved. Yeah. Just those types of questions. And then, you know, as far as like whether or not someone will use the box in that way, they absolutely do. And that's just part of what happens. And so kind of engaging those events with people has has been really difficult, but wonderful at the same time, because we're we're working through some really important stuff together. Conversations about food insecurity can be tough, especially in the United States. There's a common belief here that if someone in need would just go out and work harder, then they wouldn't struggle as much. But arguments from that perspective often neglect the difficulties that some of us face in accessing resources or opportunities. And in a way, that also relates to how community life is fragmented over the last several decades in the U.S. Jessica sees little free pantries as catalysts for discussing both food insecurity and how people and communities can re-engage with one another. 
this project challenges people's perceptions uh, about need and who they think is needy. And I think what most of the stewards come to recognize is that there is no needy person. We, we all have needs. Something I like about your project is that you're, I don't know if you planned it this way or maybe you realize it later, but you're attempting to remove shame from people that are in need. You know, maybe they would be embarrassed to go and ask for help or, or to look for some of the supplies that they might find in one of these little pantries. Um, is, Is that something that, that you anticipated? I hoped it would function that way. And there have been a couple of times when I've been at the pantry, just kind of checking it out or putting food in and someone will pull into a parking lot and just kind of slow down and then keep right on going. I wish that weren't the case because I would love to meet and talk with people, but I understand too. I do think it's easier than walking into a place where they're going to ask to look at your bills and Another kind of component is from a distance, you don't really know whether a person is putting food in or taking food out. There's kind of that kind of uh, levelizes the the process a little bit. Have you come close to any of the changes that you hope to see when you started this? Maybe I should phrase it this way. Like for the, the first pantry that you set up, do you think it was effective in achieving what you hoped it would? Yeah, I do. I think the, the little free pantry, you know, just a single little free pantry is little. And at best, it fills a momentary gap for, you know, a family. So to the extent that it's really impacting food insecurity, I think time will tell on that. I know there are people being fed by these projects. What I've seen is that this absolutely has put food insecurity front and center in the communities where these projects go in. I've also seen communities coalesce around these spaces and use them as jumping off, uh, like a jumping off point for other service, whether it's a bigger food drive or a community barbecue where everyone comes together and just meets. That's really been kind of an unlooked for strength of this project. It's been really cool, too, to watch kids get involved with this work. You know, see their enthusiasm and emerge as community leaders in the places where they live. So that's that's been another benefit. That's really cool. Yeah, that, that kind of goes into what I was going to follow up with. So I know you've seen the criticism of the little free pantries that they don't go far enough to right. solving food insecurity. But, you know, just in listening to you talk about it, it, it makes me realize that just the presence of one of these pantries in a neighborhood could raise awareness in itself. And that, I mean, that's a benefit too. So, I I mean, I think it's totally valid, you know, that it's not just providing food for those who need it. It's also raising awareness in this issue. So I'm, I'm really happy that it's able to accomplish that. Right. You know, I think that the impact on, on those who steward these projects and support them is, is significant. When you're just looking at the food insecurity piece, that's too isolated. I think these these spaces and initiatives have to be critiqued. I mean, if we're not asking questions about the work, then we're not solving the problems. That's fair. Um, just the fact that these spaces are engaging people in these types of questions, I think is that's all good stuff as far as I'm concerned. Do you have any stories you like to think of fondly, like, you know, people that 
may have come to you saying, you know, thank you, this has helped so much, or, you know, maybe even a steward saying, thank you for starting the project. Do you have any that you like to reflect on? Yeah. I mean, there are, I have lots of them. One of my favorite projects is actually in my hometown. And and this is kind of funny. Um, I grew up in Wiener, Arkansas, and it was, it's a town of like 600 people, maybe even fewer now. The house I grew up in was right behind the public library. So we didn't have much in Wiener, but we did have that. And I think that's where my love of reading kind of came from. The Little Free Pantry in this town is at the public library. So I just think that's that's a really full circle type of moment for me. As far as stories, there are lots of them. I was contacted pretty early on by a nurse at the VA who said that she had, I believe there were a couple of gentlemen that suffered from uh, severe PTSD that would use the pantry because they were too ashamed or like the bricks and mortar pantry was or was just too much. Like a food bank, you mean? Yeah, uh, like couldn't bring themselves to go into those kinds of places. And so in the dark of cover of night, they would go to the little free pantries to get food. And that was really moving to me. And I hadn't really thought about it being a service for those folks. There are so many steward stories. There was a project that was having a problem neighbor. Like they didn't want it on their property or something similar? Yeah. And this kind of developed over a series of weeks. And the steward at one point was going up to the, the pantry to kind of organize and put things in. This neighbor started to yell at her from across the, the road, you know, why don't you just take everything? It was jumped to the conclusion that she was someone who was using the pantry. She said that experience was just really profound for her because it brought home both the shame component and the fact that, you know, I guess the there but for the grace of God, I mean, go I type of thing. It could be could be anyone. I think those types of experiences are really meaningful for people. Do you know if there was ever a resolution between those two? There was. That's something that she and I talked about. Another couple of people ended up at this person's house and they had a conversation about it. And since that time, there haven't been any other incidents. So it sounds like the, the neighbor's now on board with the idea, to an extent anyway. Yeah, she, she's not um, making problems for them anymore at any rate. I mentioned her. I said, you know, I mean, I know that if this is something that you pursue, that's going to be extremely difficult because it's hard to have those conversations with people. And maybe this is just me being a little ridiculous, but I kind of feel like that's the work of the pantry too. I mean, neighborliness can be messy. I think it's the Frost quote about good fences make good neighbors type of thing. But I think that we're really hungry for that connection too. And sometimes that gets messy. If we're having those types of collisions with people, I think there's meaning in that. So we've been talking about stories related to little free pantries. But one thing I've noticed is I see the name Little Free Pantry mentioned way more often than your name. Mm -hmm. Is that a conscious effort on your part? It's a hyper conscious effort. From the very beginning, I really I had an, an awareness of a few things. A lot of people, you know, will see this and they don't really know me. You know, what if they don't like me? I didn't want my personality to get in the way of the concept. I also had an awareness, probably because I did end up locating at my church, 
that this would be something that would be interesting to religious groups to carry out as a ministry of their church. At the same time, I did not want to in any way tie it to ministry. Other groups have done that, but I really wanted this concept to be as democratic as possible and just kind of keep it totally clean and let people make it their own because I felt like that would encourage people to do it. My goal was just always to feed as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And I didn't want myself to get in the way of that either. If someone's listening and they are interested in setting up a pantry of their own, where would you recommend they start? For most folks, securing a location is the biggest challenge. Not for all, but for most. So I recommend starting there. I think that to mitigate some of the concerns that I researched around Little Free Libraries that publicly operated, privately owned host sites are the best. Typically, those types of places have ample parking or enough space so that people who are accessing the uh, projects by car are not in danger. Also, those more publicly operated spaces, churches, businesses, nonprofits, they don't have as many next door neighbors. So privacy is a little bit better at those places. I've seen these work just fine in front of people's homes, but I do recommend if someone comes to me and wants to locate in front of their home that they have a conversation with their neighbors about that because the presence of a little free uh, pantry in your neighborhood will increase traffic. So I think it's absolutely critical to get buy-in. Lots of people consider like places like public parks. And I've seen in municipalities where uh, these projects have been embraced, really, really great buy-in. That being said, in some municipalities, you just can't do that. Where I live, for example, no little free structures are allowed on any city-owned property. Oh, is it because you have to have a permit? Uh, No, they just, the ordinances, no, you can't do, they just won't allow them. But the permits and the, that type of thing varies five miles up the road from here in the next city over. So I think like kind of doing your diligence around the location is the biggest hurdle. And I recommend that folks um, maybe come up with a plan A and a plan B because my plan A didn't work out so well. And I think it's important to go with the um, site host that's the most enthusiastic because they're a really important partner. From there, there are lots of no-build options as far as the structure. And I've seen a number of variations on the container. And really, that can be done at any, any budget. A lot of the projects that I like are the ones that are, I guess, like uh, repurposed pieces of furniture or kitchen cabinets. I don't know if you've seen the um, old newspaper boxes. With the pull-down door. I think I saw some photos of of one of those on on your site. Yeah, those are free a lot of times because circulation has declined so much that newspapers just have these sitting around. So location, structure, and from there, publicity. Get it out into your network that you're doing this. And I think out of the gate, supply is probably going to be a bit greater than demand, but it doesn't take long for demand to catch up. At that point, I think it's absolutely critical for the sustainability of the project to recognize that what you can do is enough. It has to be. 
because need is tremendous. If someone wanted to check to ensure that they weren't in danger of violating any laws, I mean, I know it varies from place to place. Is, is there like a general process someone can go through to make sure that they're obeying everything they need to? When someone asks me that question, I will refer people to their city website. Okay. Usually there's a permits pull down. In most places where this is completely novel, the city is not going to know what to do with their request. I mean, they're just not. And that kind of begins the process of getting passed around to people before you can get an answer. But as I said, in places where people have done that diligence, engaged city leadership, and been given the go-ahead to do this, they have really great community buy-in like right at the very beginning. So that's an advantage. Even though it takes longer to work with a municipality, there's a trade-off. If the Little Free Pantry Project had a message, what would you like for that message to be? For me personally, what I would like for it to be, I think is probably different than how I think it would be best branded. I think that it's essential that we recognize that we all have needs and that we need one another. Folks who are suffering from food insecurity have a need for food. They also have the need for connection to other people. And those of us who have plenty have that need for connection as well. It's pretty personal for me, that concept. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I think that's what the stewards are, are finding that this is about all of us, you know, reconnecting to one another, extending grace and trusting people. It's about that type of thing for me. So if we wanted to follow the Little Free Pantry Project online, what would be the best way to do that? The website is littlefreepantry.org. The Facebook is at Little Free Pantry and the Instagram is Little Free Pantry as well. There are lots and lots of Facebook pages that have some kind of variation on Little Free Pantry. Uh, I don't change my profile picture. Um, I leave it consistent and it's my logo, which is a brown box with white bars. And my um, Twitter handle is Pantry underscore Little. If, if anyone would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that. I feel like actually people who follow the social media and share it are all part of the project too, because a single project is small and it takes lots of us to make it big. And uh, you never really know if a person shares a story of the pantry or like shares the page, who will see it and maybe be inspired to get involved or if not in that way, in some other way that makes a difference. So please look me up. What I've learned from Jessica is that Being a good neighbor and taking part in something bigger than ourselves requires dedication and a little effort outside of our normal routines. It's easier to stay at home and devote our free time and our resources to personal pursuits, but I'm of the opinion that there are limits to how satisfied we can feel in isolation like this. Little free pantries seem like simple but powerful solutions for this type of isolation, not only for ourselves, but for those who live around us and struggle in secret to meet their basic needs. If you're interested in learning more about the project, check it out at littlefreepantry.org. You should also check out their Facebook page at Little Free Pantry, which is super active. And who knows? Your contribution to the Little Free Pantry movement could be the one to push it past its tipping point. <laughs> that was episode 44 of The Plural of You. I first published it on October 15th, 2017. Here's an update on the Little Free Pantry movement as of 2023. 
Things have really taken off since Jessica and I taught for this episode. Volunteers maintain at least 2,300 pantries in the U.S., Canada, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand, most of which are mapped at littlefreepantry.org. There are also smaller regional movements that have started their own pantry networks. And then online, the Facebook page for the Little Free Pantry has over 45,000 followers. It's clear that Jessica's idea, which started with that first little pantry in Fayetteville, Arkansas, has found a community to support it. If you're interested in starting a Little Free Pantry where you live, check out the resources page at littlefreepantry.org. They have a few different building plans, some links on promoting and stocking a pantry, and some fact sheets that you may find useful. Be sure to contact Jessica through the website if you have any questions, and she'll be glad to help. This has been The Plural of You. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is pluralofyou.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.